This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. Hello, everyone. Love that intro every time. It's the best. So I am Sarah. I am hosting the Heroic Council today. And our featured guest today is Dave Cambridge. And he is joined by Jeff Gibbard and Tim Uly. And we're going to have a great conversation today about scaling your small business in a pandemic. So you can tune in every Monday right here at 2 p.m. Eastern, where we get together to talk about work, answer all your questions, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can watch on YouTube, you can join on Facebook, and we are now also on LinkedIn Live. So all that info can be found at superheroinstitute.org slash heroic, and the links will be in the show notes. Um, Remember, if you love the show, the best thing you can do is give us a five-star rating on iTunes. So let's get started. We're going to be talking about scaling a business today, which is interesting in its own right, but doing it in a pandemic is extra interesting. So Dave, please tell us about your business and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. So um, I'll start a little bit with me. Um, uh, my background is is pretty varied. Uh, I have worked in the business field. I've worked in a couple other fields. Uh, my background includes a master's in biology, an MBA, and a doctorate in education. And then I carry certificates in project management and financial management, um, uh, one from Westchester, one from Cornell. Uh, and then the business is a small uh, veterinary hospital. I shouldn't say small. It's actually 3,600 square feet. So small, small, smaller than some, bigger than others. Uh, it is, uh, serves both um, companion animals and what are called exotics. So uh, obviously dogs, cats, but also snakes, lizards. Um, I think last week, I, my uh, it's my wife is the veterinarian there just full disclosure um I, I think she saw a toad and you know in case there's always bearded dragons and mice and rats and hamsters if it if it if it moves they probably see it that's the easiest way i can say it. that is amazing I love it. Bearded dragons. That's super cool. We have not talked about a bearded dragon yet on this podcast. So this is good. This is oh, a first. Okay. All right. So, yeah. We, it, my, um, they think it's a little funny if I'm on the phone at the practice and helping out. Uh, if a bearded dragon visit, a dra- bearded dragon visits, um, they like to place it on top of my head because they think it's funny. Like, it's- okay. It's yeah. great for live live streams like this. I right, think that's, exactly. That's yeah. necessary. Yeah. It's, it's a tough crew, you know. You got to keep your humor. So <laughs> totally, totally. So tell us where you were. You know, about a year ago now, the pandemic hits. What was happening then? And you know, what's been that? What does that road look like to get to where we are today? Sure. So when we first, uh, right when the pandemic hit, we had been open for about eight or nine months. Um, very intense time. We'd seen an explosion of growth. We had uh, started with, I think, like 40 patients. We shot up to um, about 1,500 right around when the when the pandemic hit. And since then, we're about 3,000 now. So it's it's been tremendous growth. 
However, we had to radically change and adapt as the pandemic hit. So, um, for example, uh, so we had to cancel some services like grooming for a little while until we got some additional clearance. Um, we had to switch entirely to curbside. So uh, a vet nurse or a veterinarian goes out, gathers the animal and gets the history, brings them in, treats them, brings them back out. Uh, we've had to be mask compliant inside and outside. Um, we even had to set up a, some protocols because we would have um, clients call who would identify as I am COVID positive. However, my animal needs medical attention. Mm. And so we had to set up like a little drop-off area just to kind of adapt. <laughs> and it's it's been a very intense experience, but we've been very lucky to grow during this time and, you know, had to change some approaches in order to achieve that. Yeah, I think that's what's so interesting about what so many small businesses and, and large businesses have had to do during this time is pivot and, and adapt and like, when you know you're you're newer to this business to begin with and then this hits i mean what's that first thing that went through your your mind last march like what are we going to do and then what did you do uh so after the initial um hiding under my desk and crying with um, the lizard with the bearded with the lizard. lizard right because <laughs> we're not taking the lizard off my head that's going to stay there no matter what yeah so under the desk crying with the lizard on my head um uh, we started to shift and punt some. So, um, you know, we reached out to the Pennsylvania Veterinary Association to know, hey, wh where are we at with this? What are we looking at? Um, at that point, we were already tracking and like looking for um, variations, like how quick was this spreading? What was going on? Um, we obviously applied for PPP. Um, didn't get a tremendous amount, but we used as much as we can. Um, and the the other aspect I uh, I did is I started to work from, um, and I don't know if anyone's familiar with him, Clayton Christensen. He's a Harvard Business Review guy. I'm seeing nodding heads. Okay, yeah. that's yeah, yep. I know Clayton. Yeah. Yep. See, that's fantastic. I love when other people are like are, are into that kind of stuff. So um, I went back to the job to be done framework and started to build out what is going to be what the client wants in this situation. So a client is usually an owner. A patient is obviously the, the um, f furry, scaled, you know, amphibian skinned loved one. So mm -hmm. that's how we kind of designate. So we wanted to make sure we kept top medical care. My apologies. We have a furry loved one yeah, right there. This is Aggie. Aggie is one of our cats. Say hello, Aggie. No problem. Uh, if, if you run a veterinary hospital, it, it is well within your rights to appear on the Heroic Council with an animal. I was Thank expecting you. animals today. This is yeah. good. Yeah. I, I Every think, animal we have is a rescue. No. Our fans There's, want to know when's the dragon coming out on the head. <laughs> we don't have a dragon here, like just now. So <laughs> now, part two. we might have to have an a, a encore <laughs> episode for that. Yeah, I, I will say that um, uh, I never know what's coming through the door when she arrives home. So more than once, I've you know helped set up a a fluid line and given meds and done all kinds of crazy stuff. So 
going back to where we were working with that, I, I worked from that model and I started to design and, and implement some strategies that was going to enable the team to still provide, you know, we, we run from a medical first kind of standpoint. So it's always got to be medical first and still be operating as a business. David, um, can I ask you a real quick question? And I yeah, just, just for the benefit of the audience. So yeah. I'm familiar with the Clayton Christian, uh, Clayton, Clayton Christensen um, topic that you're talking about of like the job to be done, the you know, the, yeah. the McDonald's milkshake, the whole thing. For those yeah. who are not familiar with that, I don't want to just kind of gloss over that because I think it's a really important concept that you're talking about and something sure. that a lot of businesses may actually do well to understand. Would you mind actually just giving a brief kind of summary of that concept so you want me to talk about like one of my favorite authors yeah i think i can yeah. I'll, i'm gonna reach and try and give that a whirl and then and uh, then if you could also just tie it into kind of like what was the step by like what was the process that you went through internally to, to kind of connect the dots for people sure absolutely so um clayton christensen uh, his job to be done model works from the idea of a, a client a customer purchases services from you for a job to be done. And then the classic example that's used around his research is, as you mentioned, the milkshake model. So um, fast food industry, he was doing research. He saw that there was a spike in milkshake sales in the morning, not, not when you would anticipate for dinner or lunch. And what the research started to show is people were hiring milkshakes because they were filling they were they could be handled with one hand they took about 20 minutes to consume so they were perfect for that morning drive and it was very satisfying so from that perspective he advocates looking at not what you think the market should be but really determining what your clients are looking for and then going in that direction so that's um, I'm actually even working through uh, another of his books now, um, which, as always, is phenomenally written, um, Competing Against Luck, which is, you know, how do you keep that innovative kind of strategies going? Mm -hmm. So, and then to connect the dots to that, I needed to sit and reflect, gather as much information as I could from the clients on what were their needs going to be. So, for example, um, we anticipated there was going to be a need for um, some way to still get medical care. Part of the hospital is if there's a hit by car, if there's, you know, and you always kind of plan for this, the um, wishbone from turkey dinner or they just ate a bunch of chocolate. There's nowhere else to go. We had to be open. We had to make this happen. So with those competing forces what came out of you know the information i was gathering both quantitatively and qualitatively was we needed to address people's fears we needed to make them feel safe they were hiring us for medical care for their loved one and at the same time they needed to feel safe so that's where we started to really um make those changes now one of the other competing components was that was also you know i'm running the analysis on the hr side because i need to keep the team members safe you know we had some team members that were high risk and so 
you know, being able to balance all of those factors. And that's where we kind of landed with the curbside. Um, we've done a little bit of telemedicine where we set up like a Zoom link. Uh, we even, uh, like I said before, if someone identifies as COVID positive, we actually have a, a what they call a run, meaning like a little, uh, little area where dogs can run around, where they can drop it off there, close the door, walk away. We wait X amount of time, because mm -hmm. obviously it's outside UV radiation. And then a team member can safely retrieve the animal. Um, the other yeah. factor. I just have to say that's so interesting. And, and I think you had the ability to recognize that, but I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, yes. As the world is closing, it's so easy to forget. Like these animals needed emergency and medical care as well. And you forget that just because a patient, ha a, a, a pet, pet parent has COVID, that pet patient needs to have care. And I, that, that didn't even honestly occur to me. And it's just, you're right. You know, you, these are things that it's so easy to put rules and laws in place that protect people. But what about these pets? It's just amazing that you kind of thought of, thought of that angle as well. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I gotta say, I really surveyed the team as well. You know, at, at the end of the day, I'm not the medical expert. I'm not the one really assisting in a, well, I try not to be the one as, assisting in a procedure. Um, Sometimes I don't have the choice. We'll leave that there. Uh, but it's it, that we needed to figure out a way to make this happen. Yeah, because um, it, it had to. It's it's vital. And I think that's that's critical. Yeah. The, and the only exception that we finally came down on on making a rule about letting people inside the building was um, end of life care. So we still kept masks. The team was very respectful, but there's a very set procedure our team uses in order to make sure that there's a lot of support and compassion for owners and the pet as well. So that's the only exception to the rule. And then of course, after every time, everything's clean and sterilized. So it, it's been an intense process, but we've been very lucky in that we've been able to grow throughout that. Um, now, part of that was also due to market opportunities where um, a lot of people went out and got a new puppy, a new cat, a new, yep, okay, there you go, Sarah did, okay. Uh, and part of it was I'm also- I able to get one, can't get them anywhere. Say, say, I'm sorry, you didn't get one? Oh, I said I can't, I, I can't find an animal anywhere, a dog anywhere, like they're, they're uh, everybody, everybody, like the, all the shelters are essentially like out of, out of dogs, yeah. We'll talk. Another area of the business we grew where we started work with um, more and more shelters and rescues. So cool. that was just a, another market opportunity. Yeah. So I want to talk about your growth for sure. Yeah. But, but before we even go there, how did you handle just this fear, overwhelm, emotional side of this? You know, how, how did you yourself avoid the panic and allow yourself to get to that point of jobs to be done? We're gonna create a process. So there's this wonderful product called Glenmorgue, which is a really good single scotch, a uh, single malt scotch. Um, <laughs> that was very beneficial. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I'm not advocating that, but I'm just saying, um, and then part of it was, it was a must do. We just, there was no other option. Mm -hmm. uh, we were seeing other hospitals around us shut down and close and um, 
rearrange their hours so that access was dropping. And when that occurred, we had to, we had to, we had to step in. Yeah. It, it was, it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's an interesting thing. That's like using that energy for the positive instead of letting the, the energy and the fear paralyze you. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Scott is a great girl. Totally agree. Um, you know, the other aspect we did is we, ad we adapted as a team as well. So uh, prior to this, um, my sewing ability consisted of ah, super glue. So, mm. <laughs> you know, there was no mask. We couldn't even get, we're very lucky in me veterinary medicine where, uh, things are often made to be reused and autoclaved but we couldn't get masks we couldn't get gloves um so we were very fortunate that we had already kind of started to see this in january and had a little bit of reserve of gloves um we over ordered the ones you need for surgical for surgery because that's a, a very specific kind and then i got really good at making masks so <laughs> everyone on the team you know but we also tried to make it um bright and cheerful going back to that job to be done feeling safe feeling like hey it's okay so all the masks had like very colorful cartoons of dogs or like uh, daisies things like that and that was purposeful because i needed the team to feel safe look i've got a mask i needed the clients to feel like hey a little bit of sunshine you know Definitely. Um, can, can I ask you a question? Um, just, just a clarifying question. So yeah. you're, um, it sounds like you're super hands-on with like, like every aspect of the business, except for maybe like certain procedures. Yep. Um, uh, like what, 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 what is your like overall role there? I, I think you said this a little bit earlier, but yeah, no, no, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> so I, among the roles I've done have been, um, repairs and construction. Uh, I handle all the IT services, all the marketing, all the finance, all the accounting, all the HR. And then occasionally um, I will, I have, I have been voluntold to um, strap on the leaded aprons and hold for an x-ray because obviously <laughs> when it's a 90 pound pit bull, they are not going to go, oh, you need me to shift and this is the shot you want. That doesn't happen. <laughs> so there's a, you know, there's, there's been, so that's, that's my overall role. So I think that's did a you... good point though, right? Oh. Like you're, you're doing all the things that need to be done, which is a, yeah. which is a variety of things in a small business. So sorry, go ahead, Tim. Well, I was just going to ask how, how, how did you, how did you fall into this business to begin with? Like, what was your, what was your road to getting here? So that's, that's a fascinating question. So my wife had been a veterinarian in private practice for, I think, about five years. Um, from there, she became medical director for Mainline Animal Rescue. And that's where her skills really got pushed. Um, only veterinarian, 300 plus animals on a given day. Um, we counted up the number of surgical procedures she did in one year. At one point, it was 1,500. Um, it didn't matter what they brought in. She was the vet. She had to handle it. And there were a few scary moments because when they're coming from rescues, um, they're usually not coming from a, a, 
the rescue is not normally pulling them out of an ideal situation. So there were a few times where she came home and, you know, it was always interesting. She'd come home and go, okay, I need to throw all of my scrubs into bleach. I need to go shower. Don't touch me. And then I got to call CDC right after this. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and I'll make the chicken nuggets. Yeah. Like that's, I got that. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's, so she did that for about seven years. And then we started talking about getting a hospital for herself. Um, at, by that time I had done uh, my MBA and uh, had applied a lot of the business skills and some nonprofits. And we started to hunt around. We put a, we looked at a few pre, uh, pre-existing hospitals and uh, figured out very quickly we could do it on our own for much, 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 much less money. And we were very lucky. We, ha- we ran to some really great teammates. Um, the building people that, that we work with have just been phenomenal. The bank's been phenomenal. Um, you know, it, it's been a great experience. Although I will say I do like to negotiate. So sometimes there's like that little <laughs> give and take that I'm like, no, 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 I'm enjoying this. Fight you some more. It. Like <laughs> that kind of you thing. You love it. You love I it. Do. And w- welcome, Parshel. She's She had to join the party here. It's, we're oh, having excellent. too much fun today. Hey. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I know. Excellent. This is a very interesting story. I have been listening behind the scenes. So oh, thank you. please continue. Awesome. awesome. So let's talk about the scaling part of this. You you yep. make it through that pandemic, the beginning of this, you're surviving. And then you realize, okay, we're out of survival mode. We're it's time to start thriving. So tell us about that. You know, did you make a conscious decision to scale? Did it happen organically? Tell us about that experience. No, we made a conscious decision um, in a few areas. So one of the areas uh, we recognized was that um, because some of the surrounding veterinary hospitals were um, closing down in response, one, there was a market share opportunity. So we did some uh, marketing campaigns uh, during that time. Uh, we made sure our online presence was very active. Um, one of the secrets that, that we found is that people adore when their um, loved one is in and we take a picture and put it on Facebook. Like, look who visited us today. Mm-hmm. And we, just, we get a, a profound response from that. Um, what we were finding though, was that word of mouth was also paying off across certain platforms. So in those platforms, we ran some additional advertising. We did some discounts through there. Um, the other component was we found a lot of rescues were suffering with being able to get uh, veterinary services. So we've actually extended that area and grown some in order to, you know, obviously you're looking to serve the needs. And then also that that's a great opportunity for us because you're getting the medical record, medical records from our practice. Um, we've obviously cared for your loved one before. And, you know, we try and make it a very warm experience if you're a first time visitors. So those were really kind of the keys to scaling, you know, and shifting that dynamic of we're still here. We're still apart. Um, uh, and then are, are you okay if I talk about some of the things we did internally as well to just kind of help the team or do you want to stick to external kind of scaling? Yeah, absolutely. I think both are, are good places to go, but I wanted to ask a foundational question that I think 
may actually lead you into being able to talk about both. Mm-hmm. The, the concept of scaling a business can, to some uh, new business owners, uh, sound a little bit like a foreign concept. It means like, let, I'll just grow, right? But like, yeah. what does it mean to grow? Like there are certain aspects of running a business that are critical to your ability to scale, some of them being things like pro- um, process, some being things like uh, increasing revenue, some things could be decreasing costs. When you thought about deliberately scaling, can you first categorize sort of what are the different uh, places that you focused on? Sure. Then that way we can, I think we can talk both internally and externally there, but just to sort of categorize it for people about what were your primary areas of focus? Like what were like the top three things you said, we have to do this if we're going to scale versus maybe things that you said, well, these are later on things that will help us scale. Sure. So um, there were a few things that absolutely jumped to mind. Um, One was being able to continue um, the, and it's going to sound kind of strange, being able to continue surgical services. Um, when the pandemic first hit, almost all hospitals cut back in that area. And we made a, a conscious decision to be ahead of the curve and to make sure that we were still able to do that. Um, so from there, it was very purposeful in that, you know, when I look at the business side, it is you have a, a market share opening up. I want to capture that. But you also have the humanitarian side where it's we still want to be able to help and serve those that need it. So that was one component. Can I ask you one quick question on yeah, that? The please. Yeah. From like a marginal profitability standpoint, when you looked across all of your different things, on the one side, you yeah. saw market opportunity opening up. On the other side, different services, like I can imagine putting a Band-Aid on a cat's knuckle is going to be much smaller than, say, surgery for your you know boa constrictor. I don't know. So. Yeah. In terms of looking at it, did you see that there was also a, a, a greater marginal benefit to those services versus some of the others? And that is also what, because it let, you know, there, there could be a market opportunity opening up for something that's very low margin. You might say, you know what, we have to do a, a load of volume to be able to scale on this. So was that something where you, you kind of looked at it from the marginal profitability standpoint and the market opportunity, or is, is there not as much variance in your business that that would matter? No, no, there, there is, uh, but I tend to look at that from like a, a cost accounting standpoint where there are some procedures that, to be honest, you're lucky if you break even. Like you're, you're just not going to make um, very much revenue on that. Um, however, even though that looks like it could be a loss, what we've found is that ends up expanding out into multiple other services. So we may have a patient coming in just to get uh, subcutaneous fluids. It's, it's a very simple procedure. You do it a lot with, um, um, you know, loved ones that are in kidney failure. So it's, there's almost no capital. There's, there's, you really don't make anything on that. However, those are the same clients that, you know, when I look at it from a lifetime value of a client, I see a return for multiple services, I see return for medications and checkups. And then the non-quantified component is that then turns into some word of mouth as well. So, you know, it's it's the old adage. If, if someone likes you, they tell five people. If they don't, they tell seven. So for us, it was also important that every experience was as positive as it could be. Um, we also learn. We would also use a little bit of um, 
we always call it the Disney line trick where, you know, if you go to Disney World and the line says it's an hour and a half, it's never actually an hour and a half. They set your expectation here and then they beat it. So your satisfaction level goes up. So we would try and do that with our patients as well. Um, so, yes, it was within some of that looking at the revenue component. I mean, obviously, you make more on surgery. However, it was also still continuing that lifetime value. So even if we ended up in a situation where um, we had a, you know, we had a few clients where it was clear the pandemic had affected them financially, but we know the lifetime value of that client. So you shift and punt. You, you do what you have to do. Every doctor has a certain um, line item allocation for um, where they need to give. So. I don't know if that fully covers your your question, but that's that's how we started to do, look at that spread. Well, I, I think it did answer my question nicely because on the one hand, you do have to look at it, like thinking of it almost like looking at it like a spreadsheet, like your business grows because you have certain marginal profit on certain things and you have certain allocations of hours available to do that and blah, 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 right? But on the other hand, you're talking about things like we know that if we take care of our customers, they're going to come back. And it's it's refreshing to hear that in a conversation around scale because scale can be a conversation that becomes very mathematical and becomes very cold and calculated. And right. what you, I think, nicely did there is illustrate that in a scaling business, in your scaling business, you looked at it both from the standpoint of like what makes dollars and cents and what's the smart business decision here from from a financial like you know financial accounting perspective i think is as the way you phrase it but also yeah. what's the what's the way of building a deeper relationship with the customer so that and and like when you say things like lifetime value it could also sound very cold and calculating like oh we took care of them because over the lifetime but like you're also set, you're also consistently referring to your patients as loved ones right yeah. like not as animals not as dogs not as cats not as bearded dragons but as loved ones so it's obvious that there's a, a nice blend there between sort of like the cold calculated business and also the warmth so you nicely answered my question and i appreciate that oh thank you you know the funny thing is is we've had a lot of experiences where um We've had someone come out because we could squeeze them in for something that happened. And probably about 90% of the time, the last thing that, that the client says to us is, can I transfer all my animals here? So mm -hmm. even though we treated one, we actually gathered five. So that's another component that we always look at. Like good business and compassion can mesh very nicely. And, and I think that's one of the other um, driving factors. Sorry, Aggie's trying to make another visit. <laughs> so good. I'm just going to give you an applause. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they're all, all the pets are, well, are welcome for sure. Um, and I was going to ask, you know, did, did you really have a North Star kind of guiding you through this time, this this vision? I know you made some real conscious decisions, but was there one thing that you just thought like, that's it? And it sounds like maybe it, maybe it was, you know, medical first, customer focused, you know, any other comments on that? Yeah, it was, it was very much don't give on the medicine. Mm. So, you know, at, at one point during the, this pandemic, you know, we had we had to make a a call and really stand. Okay, are we really medical first, or is are we not going to be that way? So, what was going to benefit the team and open up some services was an ultrasound. 
and they are not cheap. You know, there's we're talking about spending, you know, a good amount of capital. And but it was going to create a medical first situation. From a financial side, it's also a whole other suite of services that we can offer that maybe other places don't have or they're not willing to do. So, you know, yes, it's a pandemic. Yes, we're trying to be very dollar aware, but it was the right thing to do. So that's what I got the team. You know, yeah. I, I really drive it as it's it's the V it's the VMDs and the DVMs that need to make the decisions. It's the MBA's job to make sure those are profitable. So, you know, it's really balancing between that back and forth. Um, but, you know, we the North Star for me was I'd hoped to hit 2,500 clients. I anticipated that we wouldn't. We actually surpassed that. So, you know, knock on wood. And then the other component was not to detract from the team members. So, you know, on the owner side, we gave up some things to make sure, you know, everybody still got their hours, everybody still got their pay, you know, we're, we're gonna work with you. We're gonna continue the medical, we're gonna do everything that we possibly can. And, you know, I think that we're very fortunate actually translated to us being able to bring some additional team members on full time, even mm -hmm. in the pandemic. So I, I feel blessed. Yeah, definitely. And you've, you've got that North Star, Star guiding those decisions, but mm -hmm. what about shorter term goals? You know, how do you balance those long term goals and those short term goals? Because you need you need both. And how did you sort of evaluate what to do next? Because I think sure. in scaling a business, there are just constant decisions and you're, you always feel like you're going to make the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's there's been more than a few sleepless nights. Um, so you know, with the balancing the short term, I always try and have a one-year, three-year, five-year plan. Um, that got blown out of the water in March of last year. So I, I somewhat reverted back to my three-year, expanding it out to five, figuring this is just going to slow. I anticipate everything to be dead in its tracks. From there, it was maintaining the, the you know, everything I've kind of said maintaining the team and medical first. So those were those components that kind of drove every decision. Um, there were other decisions we made during that time that were much more cost controls. So, you know, going back to, you know, some of the team, some of the roles I play, we, we couldn't afford an IT service or, you know, someone to come out and, you know, put in access points. And so, you know, YouTube's a wonderful thing. You learn what you need to do and then you give it a whirl. Um, I actually, you know, successfully put in some access points without them melting. So that's like a real big win. Um, <laughs> it was, but it, it was always about trying to balance so that we could get to the other side of this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of that is also having um strong situational awareness so are, are you okay if i share something that kind of happened that um yeah, so for example, um in new york city uh zoo they had some cases of lions coming down with covid 
And so the immediate concern was if it's showing up in big cats, there's a very good probability it's going to show up in domestic cats. And this was hitting CNN. Um, we called the team together and said, okay, how are we going to address this question? How are we going to make sure clients feel secure and, and we give them good advice? Like, what do we need to do to make sure that, that we can still function with this? So being ready for the onslaughts that occur at certain things. Um, to the team's credit, they jumped on. There's a thing within the veterinary world, world called VIN. It's not your, it's not the car, it's not the number on your car. It's actually, I think it's veterinary information network. And, you know, you can get in touch almost immediately with a, you know, double boarded PhD, VMD, like just world class. And so we would pull from those experts and say, okay, what do we need to tell our clients? What's the concern we need to do? How do we address this? So it, it was also a factor of just staying ahead of the information curve. Yeah. Sorry, went off a little bit of a tangent. My apologies. No, I think that's that's so relevant though, because it's it can feel, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, like it can feel so overwhelming in those moments, but when you can use your energy to, you know, make it a make it a positive, not live in fear, and you got to use that energy for something. And your team just sounds like they just dove right in and 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 really made it happen. Well, we, we also wanted them to, so it's funny you mentioned that because one of the key components was also making sure they felt empowered. Um, the last thing we wanted is for them to feel like this is such, such a scary situation. I'm going to retract. We right. didn't want that. We want, so um, I will say, <laughs> I think this was fear driven, but it kind of came out for the best. The hospitals never looked cleaner in its life. Yeah. Everything disinfected with every 10 minutes. It's, it's amazing, but I think that's one of the things that, and we didn't really push anyone to do that. That was just a, I think a control issue to help alleviate the fear. So Absolutely. we do what we can. Yeah. So, can I ask you a question you, about this? Because, um, oh, sorry, Parshall, do you want to add something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, there's a lot of shifting going on. Could you speak to the mindset shift that you and your team have had to embrace? Sure. Um, it started with absolute terror. Uh, I to be perfectly honest. Um, we really had some very frank discussions about the risks associated. Um, we had some very frank discussions about what's going to happen if one of us goes down. Um, and it was, and we really made sure it was an open dialogue. Um, I've, you know, you, I wanted the organization to be a place where people feel emotionally safe because in my thinking, you know, not to go just a cold hearted business, but if team members feel emotionally safe, what's projected to the clients is emotional safety. So if you feel heard, you're more apt to listen to someone else. Um, and then from there, um, you know, we, we got everything we possibly could to stave off as much possible damage as there was. So, um, like I said, we over-ordered certain items. Um, I went out and spray-painted numbers on the driveway so that we can identify exactly when someone pulls in. They can say, I'm in spot three with, you know, Roger the golden, uh, golden doodle. Like, okay, perfect. We know where you're at. We can handle it. Um, 
we did look at some of like the disinfecting um, uh, xenon flashbulb mechanisms. Um, just the safety's not there yet, so we declined that. And then we just got as careful as we possibly could. So um, we encouraged and supported everyone in mask wearing and washing, um, you know, just trying to be ahead of the curve. It was more, in, in my opinion, strictly mine, I feel one of the things that really helped was enabling a space where you know, as I said, some team members have pre-existing conditions where people can address their fear. Like it was okay to say, hey, I've got a tickle in my throat. I'm not coming in today. Yep, we're totally okay with that. We support that. We'll have some soup delivered. <laughs> you know, yeah. take care of yourself. Um, as opposed to the we'll all soldier on and it's probably not anything. No, you need to be heard, you need to feel safe. So yeah. that was that was important. Well, but Jeff, what was your question? So mine was going to kind of circling back a little bit towards a question I'd asked you earlier about scale, uh, being that there's you know revenue growth, there's decreasing costs, and then process being kind of like three of the big ones. I've heard you kind of touch on process a little bit. Um, yeah. And I wanted you to, if you could talk a little bit about that, but if you could frame it in the context of there's other small businesses listening here, and you've talked a lot about the processes that are specific to a, to a vet hospital, but in terms of the thinking around scale, what can small businesses that are listening take from this about how you thought about what processes were going to be there to help you scale, uh, what sort of new initiatives you could take on or capital expenditures you could make to help increase revenue, uh, yep. and what sort of things you could do to help decrease costs. So when you're thinking about the business holistically and looking at all the different elements of scale, uh, what advice would you have for people during this pandemic and, and how to assess what they should do next? So that's great. I love this kind of stuff. So awesome. Um, in my mind, uh, start with analyzing your financial statements. See where your cost centers are and where your revenue centers are. And then trace through your cost centers, whether it's a true cost or an artificial cost. So let's say that it was a, um, uh, it was a, a, a garage, a, a repair shop for cars. It may be worth it, you know, depending upon how the spreadsheet looks, to actually reduce the amount of something like an oil change, even though you're already not making a lot of money on that, and be able to do that to in, to attract other clients. Um, going back even to the the Christensen aspect, is there processes that you need to modify to meet the change in client needs or perceptions? So within that. Um, you know, I almost feel like in some of the processes, you can almost sink some of the costs into one another. So the, it, even though one factor is increasing 10%, it's decreasing 5% across six different areas. So you would come out as a net gain, um, you know, going to other, so let's say it's a, I don't know, a, a, a pizzeria. Okay. Well, the, some of your costs that you're not going to be able to escape from are going to be, you know, cleaning. It's going to be maybe storing of some of your supplies because that's dead revenue. Um, it may be worthwhile 
to look at, A, are your vendors able to work with you and maybe give you a little bit of a discount? We were able to negotiate some things during this time. And then B, can some of those cost centers be used to um, get a, a better perception within the community? So sticking with the pizzeria, you're already cleaning. You're doing that all the time. That may be an opportunity to promote or set out like, this is how much we care. We're actually maintaining an incredibly hygienic environment. Your food is safe. You are safe. This is what we're doing to help. Um, that's on the process side. On the segment side, um, I always look at where is there an opportunity and not necessarily within um, existing areas. So, you know, we can even use something like a flower shop. So in that case, one of the opportunities could be looking at, you know, you have a cost a cost center for delivery. You try and recover that some with your delivery fee, but it's probably more like a break even given by the time you get down to vehicle maintenance, fuel, employee costs, things like that. However, you're already paying that. So could you expand and do something like, we're going to do year long subscriptions for flowers. You're already out delivering. Now you've taken a cost, you've expanded into a new segment where you have um, um, year long subscriptions. So that stabilizes your revenue stream, that gives you an opportunity to reach new clients, and obviously it helps word of mouth. So even though I'm talking about what's being applied within a veterinary hospital, in my thinking, um, there's so many other areas that these exact same theories and ideas can apply to small businesses, especially those are, that are really getting targeted by you know the pandemic. Absolutely. How how do you know? I, I think this will be our last question. You know, how do you know as a small business owner that it's time to scale? Like, what were what were some of those indicators? I think we've talked a lot about them already today. But if you're sitting here listening to this, going, "Is this me? Am I ready?" You know, any advice for those people? How does that feel? Um, I look at how much your team is getting used. So when that was really the measure. I mean, obviously there was also a dollar component. Um, you know, we were already paying for the space. We'd already paid for the equipment, those kind of things. So it was a lower step for the next hire, the next growth. Um, however, what kind of triggered it for us was hearing we're booked. Like we, we've got people who are calling every day if we're taking new patients and, and, you know, they need to see, be seen now. We would, that was really my, my indicator. Mm. Uh, the, the resources I have are getting close to being overextended time to scale for that next component. Yep. Um, I think that is a great, great way to look at it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, any, any other questions, anything else? I, th I think that's good for today. There's There's been so many wonderful things you shared. So I, people might, that have been listening, people might have follow-up questions for you directly. So can you share how people can connect with you and, and learn more about the hospital as well? Sure, absolutely. So I will give you my hospital email. It's going to sound a little strange, but then you'll understand why in a second. 
Um, my hospital email is itservices at eastbradfordvet.com. Um, the reason it's IT services is when, when, oh yeah, that's it. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, when, when people are maybe generating some inquiries or, you know, trying to get in touch with the CFO, nobody wants to talk to the IT guy. So it just kind of makes my life a little bit smoother. Nope. Oh, that's great. And I know you're on LinkedIn. We're connected on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Any other good ways that people can connect with you? Uh, I am on LinkedIn. Um, and then the other way is there is a contact <laughs> form through uh, the website, uh, eastbradfordvet.com. Um, and if any, any questions I have, I'll be happy to speak with, help, assist, anything I can do to help. Um, I think this is one of those things where when the tide comes in, everybody's boat goes up. So listen, if I can grab a bucket and help bring the tide in faster, you bet. Be happy. I to love that. I love that. I think that's a that's a great way to end today. Um, we always wrap up Heroic Council with a question to the team of what are you into right now? So anybody have anything good they're into this week? Do I have to put somebody on the spot? <laughs> I <was> <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I'm into redesigning my studio again. So painting. Oh, cool. Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go with a matte color in the back. So there's less of a shine. I can do more with the lighting in here. And um, yeah, I'm going to do something with the bookcases too. It's full shebang. So maybe on the next Heroic Council, we'll see if Parshell conquers her studio or not. Let's <laughs> see if Parshell has a new background. I love it. Well, actually, that kind of brings us to the topic for next week. So next week, we are going to be talking about working from home versus going back to the office. Um, I actually did a poll on LinkedIn, and it was interesting. I know 61% of people said they want to have the option um, only 9% said they wanted to go back to the office. So I think that'll be a really interesting conversation. So that'll be next week, Monday at 2 p.m. right here on the Heroic Council. We'll see you then. Thanks so much again for joining us, Dave. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone.